0: Good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you before, my name's Anthony. I'm one of the pastors here at York Street. I wonder whether we've got any risk-takers in the room. Anyone know? Yeah, there's a few hands going up. Has anyone ever been wakeboarding? Check this out. Wakeboarders? Anyone? Looks pretty risky to me. This is probably more my style. I've recently upgraded from the floaties, but I'm pretty conservative when it comes to water stuff. How about paragliding? Anyone been paragliding? Yeah, Jeff, a few up the back. Again, this is probably more me. Hard hat, safety gear, feet firmly on the ground. Looks so peaceful up there, but it's just all the way up there in the sky. Scares me. Now, I know we've got some avid bike riders in our congregations. Bike riders? Yeah, I know Pastor Tim, who's not here today, but Pastor Tim might have been practicing these when when he broke his ankle a few months ago. He's still in the process of, of recovery. But again, this is me, training wheels, yeah? So maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, or am I? I guess you'll never know. I wonder if you've seen around town these red scooters that seem to be here, there, and everywhere. Well, a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, there was one out the front and the staff here at the church thought, I know, let's go out and give it a go. So we set it all up on our phones and some of the staff managed to get get the scooters on the go and they were heading around the the car park, heading around the the church building and and up and down the street. Everyone had a go except me. I got to the end. I was the last one. I was like, no, definitely not for me. I didn't want to look like a fool. I didn't want to come off it. Didn't want to injure myself. Now, you have to pay attention right now, because then, this happened. I snuck away a couple of days later, had a practice by myself where no one could see me if I fell off, got it all sorted, worked out my balance, and that's what happened. See, some of us are risk-takers, yeah? But some of us like to play at safe. And I wonder whether at times we do that with our faith. Yeah, maybe we're willing to step out of our comfort zone. Are we willing to be stretched? Are we willing to grow and lean into those things of God? Or do we play it safe? Do we retreat and only do those things that are well within our comfort zone, that make us feel safe? So folks, today we're looking at the parable of the talents as we continue through our series on the parables throughout January. But before we unpack the scripture a bit more, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. As we unpack more of the lessons you teach us from the parables today, would you reveal to us those areas where we may need to make a firm stand for you, Father God, where perhaps we need to to take some risks? Would you strengthen us not to play it safe in all that we do for your glory, but, but in fact be obedient to your calling? Even when things seem scary or out of our control, would you strengthen us and be with us in all that we do? In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, today, as I said, we're having a look at the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold. Depends what what version of the Bible you've got, we kind of use these words interchangeably. We're looking at the Gospel of Matthew, starting at chapter 25, verse 14. And so, this parable talks of a man going on a journey and he calls his servants to himself and says, I want you to look after this money. I want you to manage it while I'm gone. And if you joined us last week, we we spoke about the parable of the workers in the vineyard and and they got paid one denarius for their day's work. looks like this. It's a single silver coin worth a whole day's work. Well, today we're looking at far more money, right? We're looking at a unit of currency called a talent. And we know that a talent is 6,000 of those coins, 6,000 denarii. And that's the equivalent of about 20 years' wages, right? And so this man, he gives his servants varying amounts based on their abilities. He gives the first servant five talents, five times the, the amount on the screen there. He gives the second servant two talents, and he gives the final one, one talent. So regardless of how much they got, even the guy that just got one talent, that's still 20 years' worth of wages, right? It's still a lot of money. And we see, too, that while it says servants here in the Scriptures, we, we know that the relationship isn't quite what we'd expect it to be in modern-day terms. We, we see this servanthood as, as something under duress or like being a slave. And that, that's not what it's, what it's talking about. These servants are more like managers of his business. And they must have been trustworthy, right, for him to give them so much money to look after. And so he gives them this money, and he goes off on his journey. And we pick this up in verse 16 in the scripture. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five with him as well and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And so we see the second servant does the same. He started with two bags, and he brings the other two as well. And the same thing, the master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. And so then the man who received one bag of gold came forward. And he said this, "'Master, I knew that you were a hard man, "'harvesting where you have not sown "'and gathering where you have not scattered seed. "'I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. "'See, here's what belongs to you, the one single talent.'" His master replied, "'You wicked and lazy servant. "'So you knew that I I harvest where I have not sown "'and gather where I have not scattered seed? "'Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers.'" so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. And so, take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa, that's severe, right? This master is not happy. So when I first heard this parable years ago, initially I, I kind of felt sorry for that, that third servant. The poor guy kind of thought he was doing the safe thing. He, he got what he was given and he kept it safe and then safely returned it to the master. But then when we look a bit deeper, when we, when we unpack the context and the relationship of what's going on here, we see in fact that the master was placing an investment He was investing in these servants. There was an expectation of a return. He knew that, and they knew that. So we see the two servants yield a return by turning his money into something more. And the master is pleased. But we see he's not at all pleased with the third servant. And so we know that parables, they they aren't necessarily actual events that happened but they're analogies that Jesus uses to make a point to those who he's teaching, those then and us now. And so we see in the parable of the talents that that we, God's people, are compared to the servants in the story and that God is the master. The master himself, he gave us life and he draws us into a relationship with his son Jesus. So then what? at some point, maybe we make a decision for Christ. And then what, we just ride the wave to heaven? No. He wants us to be active participants in his kingdom, here on earth, now. He gives us all the resources we need to do that. Yeah, we have to work for it. That's what being active participants is all about. I've seen Christian people not so much at this church, of course, but people who have secured their airfare to heaven by putting their faith and trust in Jesus. And then they go and wait at the airport. Waiting because it's safe at the airport. It doesn't matter what I do with my life now because I'm with Jesus. And I'm going to heaven. I'll just wait here for him to come back and get me. Well, friends, I don't think it's that simple. See, a few chapters earlier than in, in this parable, we, we see where Jesus was tested by the religious leaders at the time. And he was asked this, which is the greatest commandment of the law? In Matthew uh, 22, 37, it says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is what we call the great commandment. This is the what we must do as followers of Christ. But how? How do we go about it? Well, Jesus has the answer too. After his resurrection, Jesus tells the disciples in what we know as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, "'Therefore go and make disciples of all nations.'" baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus tells us the how and the what we should do as his followers. But I miss the bit where it said, play it safe or wait until the people of the world come to you and ask about me. Just go about your life the way you want it to be and be safe and be careful and don't get hurt and don't get offended and don't get upset with people around you and seriously just make sure you get to the end of your life alive, right? Because after all, you have eternal life anyway, so just make sure you get to the end of your life safe. So maybe I'm being a bit over the top, but can you see what we sometimes do? We retreat away from those things of God those things he might be calling us to do, just to play it safe and to remain comfortable. So in the context of our parable today, there are a few things we probably need to get straight. Who are we working for? Now, I don't mean our vocation, right? Not our, not our day job. God uses people to bring about his mission here on earth, from teachers to tradies to firefighters to flamethrowers and everything in between. It's not about our day job. It's about our kingdom job as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't switch off from our kingdom job at five o'clock. We live it out, yeah, through our vocation sometimes, maybe through our school life, maybe in our retirement, through our parenting, our grandparenting, through the friendships we have, in everything we do. It's our life. And who's the master of our kingdom job? We touched on it before. God the Father, the creator of the universe. He calls to each one of us individually with a very specific purpose. Like in the parable, each according to our ability. Some get more, some get less. It doesn't matter. We're all working for the same goal in the same direction. And see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we have, what we don't have. He knows what we bring. He knows what we're capable of. And he calls each one of us to grow and strengthen the kingdom here on earth according to those capabilities that we have. And see, our kingdom jobs, we don't do out of obligation. We do it out of passion. Passion for the master and passion for his kingdom. Hopefully, our vocations maybe bring some kind of passion too. But there's an element of obligation, isn't there? We do it because maybe we need the paycheck at the end of the week. And sometimes we endure it rather than enjoy it. And see, our salvation isn't contingent on our kingdom jobs. If we're Christians and we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're already saved from all of those things we've done wrong. That deal is already signed, sealed and delivered. We've already been given eternal life. But we play our part in the kingdom of God because we love him and because we love his people. See, this passion comes from God himself. God was so passionate about people that he sent Jesus to the cross. When we live in our calling, we become passionate about the things that God is passionate about. We we become passionate about living out his commands and his commission. We become passionate about those people in our world that are hurting, that are marginalised those that don't have enough, those in our world that are grieving or in pain, or those in our world that don't yet know the love of Jesus. All things come from the Master. So what are those things? What, What has God invested in you? What have you been given? What's in your hand as a result of God's blessings in your life? Like the servants in the parable, what have you been entrusted with? And what are, you, what are you going to do with it? See, God gives us everything we need to enter into the call he has placed on our lives. How will we return the investment to him when he returns? Maybe it's talents as in money, but more likely it's talents as in gifts and abilities, our hearts, passions and desires. And what will we do with them to grow the kingdom of God here on earth? See, it all came from him in the first place, right? Imagine if you ran everything you do, everything you have, all your dreams, all your plans, all your money, all your time, all your skills. Imagine if you ran all of those things through this filter. Does it glorify God? And does it serve the Great Commission? Do my gifts glorify God? Do they serve the Great Commission? Does my money, my skills my passions, do they glorify God and do they serve the Great Commission? See, maybe this is where we get a bit uncomfortable. It seems a bit risky to hand all of those things over. It's a bit awkward and we start to retreat. And we, we, we play it safe. We don't want to step out of our worldly comfort zone. A bit like me on that scooter. It didn't appear to make much difference to anything. There was, there's plenty of people around this city riding those scooters. I didn't need to do it. The world certainly didn't need me on a scooter. But it wasn't really a kingdom job, was it? I pushed through the risk and the cost and and gave it a go. Sometimes we see other people doing those kingdom jobs the same as us, and that's okay, because we're all moving in the same direction. It's not a competition. We're all moving in the same direction with the same goal. goal. See, the kingdom needs every one of us to be playing our part moving in the same direction. Loving God, loving people. And see, God doesn't measure our success on on how much we return to him, but he measures it on how much we've given it a red-hot go. That we've used his investment to further his kingdom. I don't think he'd even mind if we didn't return anything to him, providing we used it all for his kingdom, for his glory. See, the first and second servant got the same praise and same reward as each other it wasn't about the amount they returned to the master but it was about the effort they put in unlike the third servant which comes to our third question today what are you burying what is God calling you to do are you doing it when you get those little prompts in life from God to do his kingdom work what stops us Why do we bury these things that we've been given when it seems too hard or or too uncomfortable or too much risk? Maybe too much cost, financial or or otherwise. Dare I say it, are we too busy waiting at the airport? I've heard people say, oh, I'm not not being led in that direction. That's not my calling or my gifting. But see, if we use that kingdom filter, does it glorify God and does it serve the Great Commission? then we're being called, all of us, together. In light of the Great Commission, it's no longer really an option. It's actually a mandate from heaven. And the parable of the talents teaches us that the master will return one day and that we'll be made accountable. And see, when that day comes, you don't want to be too busy trying to dig out the original investment and have nothing to show for it before the master. We want him to look us in the eye and say, well done good and faithful servant. So what return are we making on God's investment in us today? What are those things in your life that God has given you and that you're not yet using for his kingdom purpose? Perhaps there's a challenge in that for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings that you give each of us. We thank you for seeing our value and that you invest in us with your gifts and a relationship. May we be reminded today that that all we have comes from you, Father, and that you trust us with your investment. You see us for who we really are. May we be challenged today to glorify you in all that we, we do with our hands, with our minds, and with our hearts, that we would continue to grow your kingdom even when it feels uncomfortable. May we rely on the the power of your Holy Spirit to grow us and stretch us and turn us into the mighty men and women of God that we are called to be. May we not play it safe when it comes to matters of faith, embolden us uh, to be strong in mind and strong in action for your glory, Father. In all that we do, we pray that when that day comes, you will look at us and tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. For you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.